some people around you who are peculiar. <laughs> who are apparently, the Bible says this, are peculiar, you know, like aliens. Okay, I won't use that term anymore. But um, this morning, we're going to speak about the renewed mind. Let's give the team a round of applause. Awesome. Boys, what's up, man? What are those? What movie is that? What movie? What movie is that? Black Panther. What are toes? Okay. Thanks, team. Sounded beautiful this morning. Lord, let's uh, pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is transforming. It's not just information, but it brings transformation in our lives. And I pray this morning, Lord God, that uh, as we read your word, I pray that you transform our lives this morning. Even uh, as we spoke about in prayer meeting, a paradigm shift in our thinking and the way we see you as we, uh, the, and the way we see this world, the way we actually outlive our lives, Lord God. I pray that you would lead us this morning, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And we all said, Amen. Okay, this morning we'll talk about the renewed mind. Who was here last week? Who heard Cliff last week? He spoke about, hands up if you, there's a few people that weren't. Uh, Cliff talked about the Holy Spirit um, coming into our lives, regenerating our spirit, because our spirit was dead to God. And then the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and regenerates it. And so, like a kickstart. And what happens is our spirits are made alive in Christ. And then you start to see things very differently. Cliff also spoke about the difference with our spirits may be regenerated, made renewed, but our minds don't change and our bodies don't change. And Cliff spoke about a lot of us dream that our bodies will change in that moment. You gave your heart to the Lord. The six pack will just appear. All these, um, yeah, other things that are cool would actually happen, but it doesn't work like that. This is part of that process of God through God. We're justified by God. But the sanctification journey that we're on, where God is making us more like Jesus, is a journey that we need to take. And the lo- lovely thing about God is that at the end of that process is a glorification process where we get to be with Christ. That's our main reward. But guess what? We've got to be on this journey of change. And that's what we've got to do. And some of us don't like it. Who likes being um, challenged to change? No. <laughs> no. No, Joe. So this morning, we're going to talk about how you renew your mind. Because who knows that if you don't renew this, you'll stay the same. So you can't just um, say you're going to do something but not believe you're going to do it and actually see it come to pass. So you need to apply yourself. And so when you're a spirit man, when you're a spirit person is made alive in Christ, they are wanting to do things. Because what happens is that when you're made alive in Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you come alive and you go, wow, there's a God in heaven who loves me, this, who's this finite being and you, who serving this infinite God. And what happens is you come alive and then what do you do with that? How do you start to live out your life? And this is the whole process of transforming your mind. The Bible talks about, we're talking about Romans soon, about don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. So you're going to renew this. And then what happens is if you renew this, Everything else falls into place. So if you open the Bibles to Romans this morning, we're going to read Romans 12 too. It 
And we get straight into it in verse 2. He says, and do not be conformed to this world. Let me put the next slide up. If you just keep on. It's, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Everyone say transformed. By the renewing. Everyone say renewing. Of your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, the will of God is perfect, it's acceptable, and it's good. But the thing is that to apply ourselves now, thank you, we need to actually make sure that we actually journey with God through this. So Romans 12, 2 says this, to be conformed to this world, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're going to go through this, we're going to break this down. What does conform mean? It means it's broken up. The word is actually broken up. Conform to make the same or similar. Bringing it into harmony or agreement. The word wor- world is um, the, uh, the word aeon, which actually is the age or the period of time. So when we say this, it actually means do not be in harmony or do not be in agreement with the pattern or the thinking of this world. Because this world thinks very differently. See, this world tells you, well, it's okay to, to lie cheat and steal. It's all right. But God says, no, no, we've got to be people of truth and integrity. So don't rely on that pattern, but we need to be understand that there's behaviors, there's lifestyles in the world. And guess what? We know that because we were there. We lived for ourselves. There's a triant God who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We live for another God called me, myself, and I. All of us are selfish because all of us want our own thing. We want to do our own thing. But then God regenerates our spirit and goes, wait a minute. It's not about me. It's about him. And the thing is that we're still carrying all the stuff from what we have lived out our lives. All of us have a story. All of us carry the hurts and the pains and the brokenness and the patterns of the world and the life we came from. I love the way that one writer says it, that we need to be able to leave back our old lifestyle, and move into the lifestyle of Christ. So whatever we were doing back then, we need to be transformed into a new being, a new creation, a new way of thinking, to be more like Christ. To be transformed, another key word we're going to look at is be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. This is where we get our word metamorphosis. Heard that? It's a big word. Change or form, shape, structure, substance, uh, a marked or complete change of character, appearance, uh, appearance, condition to transform. So that means, I'm going I'm to come back to this. Who remembers this book? Hands up if you know this book. Who doesn't know this book? No, no, that's all right. Peter didn't have grown up with this book. Leave Peter alone. I will buy you a book like this. Come with me, bro. Just vouch me on that. I'm going to get him a book so he can read it. It's a cool book. The Hungry, The Very Hungry Caterpillar. This is a great book, eh? This book is about metamorphosis, about transformation. See, when the caterpillar comes to life, he has to eat through the stuff so he can get to a place where he's ready to be transformed. Like us, we need to devour the Word of God. We need to get the Word of God in us. See, it's one thing to get into the Word of God, but is the Word of God getting into you? 
and it should be our work in your life. So what happens is that caterpillar gets to that place. This is a cool book, eh? I love this book. And it gets to a place of the cocoon. The place of the cocoon when you're actually being transformed. It's like us. Transformation doesn't have to happen in public. Transformation happens in your private times of God. So it doesn't mean it have to be out there where you're going, I'm changed, I'm transformed. No, no, it happens when you're at home, when you're praying, when you're spending time with God. And then when you come out into the public, people go, you're different. You're changed. There's something new about you because that's the transformation process. You're changing into the likeness of Christ. So just remember that. That's where we get that word metamorphosis from. To be transferred and renewed. So renewed to me, a new again, to bring back to a good condition. So it's, uh, there's a button on our iPads and our iPhones or whatever, and it says reset to original factory design. Who's got that on their phones? What happens is that in our lives, when we come to Christ, we need to push that button. We need to reset back to our original design. See, we never, we're never meant to live like this. But because of the, the age that we're in and the world that we are part of, we've actually been absorbed into that. But the wonderful thing about Christ is that he doesn't leave us there. He wants us to be transformed. Are you with me on this? Straightforward, eh? 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, new things have come. Who's glad they're the new creation? Who's glad that they're changing? Uh, don't be like the Egypt, uh, Egyptians. Who remembers the Egyptians when they got to um, the Red Sea? And then Moses said, there's no way he prayed in God and make a way. And the Egyptians all gathered around and they said, you should have just left us back in Egypt. Don't be like that in your conversation with God. Don't be that person who goes, why do you even save me? I was really enjoying my life back then. But if you look at your life now, don't be like that. Look at your life now and see what God has done. Just say, God, I thank you that every single day I'm in this process of being transformed into your likeness. For we are also once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceiving, enslaved, various lusts and pleasures, because we were about me, myself, and I. It was all about us. Don't tell me you were living for others. Because it was all about you. And you will always find, and I'm talking to myself, it will always find a way to make it about you. But the awesome thing about this amazing father is that he doesn't want it to be all about you. He wants it to be all about him. Because our creator wants his creation to honor him, not honor themselves. But when the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of our deeds. You're not based You're not saved through your works or charity that you do. That doesn't get you to heaven. And what you have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, will be poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. This is is awesome stuff. You didn't have to do anything but respond. You just had to respond and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And everything for you changed. Just like that, everything changed, and it's because of his mercy and his grace. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For those who live in the world, not wage war as this world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of this world. 
On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension uh, that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The Bible tells us that we are in a war, a spiritual war. We are always changing, we are triumph, and there are things that are going to come against us. There's going to be patterns and thinking of this world that will come against you. There's a whole, whole area um, where, where we need to understand that when, when people say something to you when you, were, when you were not saved or not in Christ, a lot of that stuff tarnishes you and taints you for your life. For example, if someone calls you, you're useless, you're good for nothing, why were you born, you're, you're a mistake, what are you, what, all this stuff, that taints you, that hurts you. But when Christ comes into your life, he says, you're my child, I'm pleased, I'm happy, I'm, I'm grateful that you're my child. All these things start to apply to your life, and you should be in that process of being transformed. But you need to open yourself up for that. Because guess what? Those things will come back and haunt you. I'm going to give you um, just a few things this morning just there. Finally, brothers, Philippians, if you're taking notes, Philippians 4, 8, 9, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. That's a big one. We can't just be hearers of the word, but we need to apply them in our lives. We need to understand that you can't just go to work and sit in the car. No, you can't. <laughs> you can, but that's not working. See, these things in our lives, we need to apply it. You were taught we were, with regard to the formal way of life and put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires to be made new in the attitudes of your mind and to put on your new self. You've got to put on your new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. These are cool scriptures just to build ourselves on. What does it mean? Well, if you're taking notes, just take down those three notes, um, three parts there, three scriptures there, just for your own study. But all these three scriptures actually speak about you renewing your mind. There's a sovereignty of God, and there is the responsibility of man. So you can't say, God, you do it all, change me, because there's no scripture that says that where you actually say, I'm going to change when you make me change. So it's like saying, it's like saying, um, this, when you pray, oh God, renew my mind. You're acting much like a child that says to your mom, mom, do my homework for me. Now, which parent would do their homework for the child? I hope none of us do. But that's what we're saying to God. We're saying, oh, God, renew my mind. Today, no, no, if you, 
if you're responding to that, you actually need to understand that you need to apply yourself to that change. You've got to get yourself in a place where you're being changed. For example, you can't just say, you can't just say, I'm going to, Lord, help me with my anger, but not actually have accountability of actually getting guys to speak into your life about your anger. The thing is that you can't just say, God, help me, God, help me. But if you're not applying yourself to get guys around you or girls around you to actually say, keep me accountable. I need to go to someone to talk this through because I'm a very angry person. I need to do this because I don't want to take this into my relationship. The thing is that you've applied yourself to that and you want to see that change. That's the whole thing about renewing your mind. You need to apply yourself. Here's some things we're going to take home. Renewing your mind has to happen daily. Who's got a cleansed mind in here? It's been renewed every single day. Every single day. Every single day. Number one, is it true? This is the way you need to start to process your, think, your thinking patterns. So we know the patterns of the world is that we can now have fake news. We can have all this other stuff. That we can make up stories about this, we can bear false witness to someone, make up stories about someone. But when you come back to Scripture, is it true? This is about also relationships we're dealing with people. Whatever is true, truth is the first test. Knox translates this as all the rings true. Bring your mind, uh, before you open your mouth, are you speaking the truth? Before you open your mouth, are the words that are going to come out of it the truth? Before you type on Facebook, is what you're saying in there truth? Because if it's not truth, don't write it, don't say it. Sometimes we have a problem with speaking before we think. But we need to think before we speak. We need to think before we write. We need to think before we start backstabbing. Hello? Truth. Because well, people are truth and integrity. So if there's a problem in the house, if the problem out there with someone, you need to go speak truth into their life and say, this is the issue, this is the problem. Can we walk this through together? Because Matthew 18, another scripture, says, if you've got ought to your brother, go and deal with it with your brother or your sister. Don't put it on Facebook. We say this all the time. Don't put it on Facebook and then deal with it afterwards. All you're doing is dealing with the aftermath of what you posted. Our younger generation, they're now about... Instant, like put it up straight away, put it up. So we need to understand that truth is important to us. So when it comes to thinking, think, whatever I'm going to say, is it real? Is it true? Is it in line with God? Is it noble? Whatever's noble, which means honorable and worthy of reverence. It refers to which is majestic and awe-inspiring. One person translates it as noble seriousness. The word is used in another place to describe the proper Qualities of an elder or pastor, it's your thought life, honorable. Do you ponder on things that are noble and of serious purpose? Or do you dwell on uh, that word and trivial stuff? Did I do a fresh if I say that word? But it's important to understand, is it noble? 
is honourable. What I'm going to say about someone, and, and this is the thing we've got to be very careful of. There's honour, and then there's honour. What I mean by that is that only God should deserve all the honour, all the glory is His. He is this awesome God that we serve, that we sing about. There was no songs on there about how great Joseph was. I'm just saying. I'm just a man, just like you. Oh, some of you are ladies. I'm not a lady, just like you. But the thing is, that if you understand what I'm saying here, it's all about him, Jesus. It is about him. It's not about the gate. Can you hear me here? It is not about the gate. The day that we start singing songs about the gate, honestly, I'm going to start throwing cheers. I'm going to start throwing cheers. Then I've got to repent and then come back again. But the thing is that it's not about us here. We are just finite beings. We need to be worshipping and honoring. That is the person who is noble. That is the God that is deserving awe. It is Him. I remember the first time I became a pastor was about 2003. I became a pastor full-time. And um, my, my uncle was a... Uh, a minister as well, and he, in our, in our tradition in Samoan, our ministers sit at the, the front table. And I knew that. And as soon as my uncle knew that I was a minister, man, I came late on a purpose. No, with a purpose, because I knew that he, did, he was going to call my name out. But as soon as I came, I came late, and I told him, I'm just running behind, I'm going to get there late. Um, and then I came about 30 minutes late, so I sat at the back, because eh? for me, all that stuff is, is not really important. And I sat there, and then my uncle goes, okay, oh, pasta, Joseph, come to the front. I was going, oh, so embarrassed, man. I was so embarrassed. Why? Because we've made traditions. The Bible says traditions of men will nullify the word of God. We have built traditions around what we do culturally that you're not honoring to God. And a lot of traditions, a lot of cultural traditions are birthed out of a man's opinion of how honor should be displayed. And we've got to move back to what the Bible says. The Bible speaks about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's Him to be honored, Him to be lifted high. In this church, all our songs are about Jesus. It's Him, our King and our Savior. One day we'll stand before the throne room. It's not me on the throne. It's not on you on the throne. It's this great judge. And I think it's a place that we need to come to that it's noble to actually honor people but don't get too far ahead of yourself when you actually display them out there for the world to see. And that's why I make this a big issue. I make it a big issue because men love grabbing onto things. And even to the, to, if it's not the Word of God, you hold on to stuff because you want to make a tradition out of it. You've got to be mindful of that, please. So um, I'm just a man. And I bring this highly because the people around here, the leaders in this church, are just people just like you. And I talk about this all the time, and I want to say our functions are different. I get to hold the mic because I'm preaching, because it's a function I am. I am here to pastor as Joseph. But that's it. I'm just a man. Please, don't uplift this man. You can encourage me. You can, um, like my, my bro Shans, he texts me during the week, he encourages me. I text a few of the men this week just to encourage them. That's what we do as brothers, as family. That's what we do. 
You don't need a, a pastor sending that out. You just need a friend, a brother, a sister. That's what whānau is about. That's what ainga is about. That's what family is about. And that's why God built church, because it's family. I'm just, that's my little side note. That's free, okay? Okay, number three. Is it right? Whatever is right, this means uh, in conformity to God's standards, not is it right in our eyes. Is it right in the eyes of others? But is it right in God's eyes? If your thoughts are broadcast, if you put one of those megaphones on the side of your head and you can hear your thoughts, would you be ashamed or embarrassed by what you were thinking about someone else? And it's a big thing because this is all part of renewing your mind. And if there's an issue with someone, just resolve it straight away. And I have this big thing for me personally. I, I know that someone's got no issue with me because they haven't come to speak to me. But I'm sure they have an issue. But I haven't heard anything because the Bible says they need to come to me and talk to me about it. Not as a pastor, but as a brother, as a sister, and say, hey, I've got this concern. I've got this problem. Can we talk it through? That's how we do life together. That's how we do it together. And the thing is that, is it right? What you're thinking about your person in the, uh, in the office that works alongside you? Oh, they're just lazy. I hope they get fired soon. But you're not saying it, but you're thinking it. But how come we don't say, bro, can I just have a word with you, man? I've noticed that um, you haven't um, come on time to work. Is there a problem there? Can I help you? Can I pick you up? See, these are all things that are easy to do, but we don't want to burden Anyone else, oh, it's not my problem. It's their problem. They've got to resolve it. No, 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 no. If they're your friend, if they're a colleague, you go and address it and say, can we talk? And I love the fact in this whānau here, we have brothers here, and I'm, I'm being blessed right now because there are people here in this room who keep me accountable, not just in my um, health, but also in my spirituality. But they come and see me not as a pastor, but as a brother. Have you got time for your family? Oh, bro, you're working too hard. Oh, man, man, I think you're just overloading your mind. And I had a text this week from another brother in this room that said, man, I'm praying for you, bro. And I, I, you know what? I sat there and my, sat there and I thought, this is awesome. People don't care, for, people don't care that I'm a pastor or not. They care because I'm a person just like them. But is it right? We need to adjust our thinking. So this week, adjust your thinking. If you need to address something in the office, if you need to address something with another friend, just go, hey, can we catch up for coffee? Can we catch up for tea? Can we catch up for walk? All that stuff. And just have a chat about things. Get it out there. Because what happens is it becomes an internal cancer in your heart. And it eats away at you all the time. And then you don't have a problem, but you have a problem. Because the whole world can tell that you've got a problem. But apparently you don't have a problem. But the thing is that we need to be at a place where is it right? Is it right? What we're saying about people is it right? I'm a big, big one on this. We have this policy in our house that we don't, we don't talk about anyone. And people go, oh man, I'm sure you talk about some people. No, in a, a year we talk about. My wife talks about me, <laughs> and I talk about her. But the thing is that. 
We have made a choice. We have made a choice. We have made a choice that in my house it will serve the Lord. And that's just not just in what we do, but how we live out our lives. So I'm not going to backstab my brother. I'm not going to go, oh, Tails didn't hit the, hit the high notes this morning. Oh, man. Did you, boys, did you hear that? Write down your concerns on a piece of paper and pass it back to Daddy. Yeah, oh, Vernon, oh, Vernon, oh, Rob, oh, Rob. Oh, oh Rob didn't, he wasn't, I didn't feel he was, wasn't led by the Spirit. Oh, man, we can be like that. Hello? Because the old man, the old person wants to get out and actually start ripping people apart. But that's why the new creation go, no. No, I'm honoring. It's a right. And so I'm saying that if I'm going to concern, I'm going to talk. But this morning was awesome. I'm bringing it up. It was awesome. But the thing is that we've got to be careful in what we say. Because guess what? If someone comes to you and tells you, talks about someone to you, do you want to bet? I don't bet. But do you want to bet they're talking to someone else about you? Think about that. Think about that. Think about that. Is it pure? What is, whatever is pure. The word means uh, undefiled. That word, clean, holy. It touches the whole area of moral purity. Is your thought life clean? And who knows that we're not all perfect. Hello? That's why we go to church. Because we want to be like Christ. We want to be sharpened. We want to be sanded down. Made for a purpose. Uh, get your mind out of the gutter. If you live in the gutter, they'd be surprised that your mind is covered in slime. Ooh, ooh, spicy. There's some heavy stuff here. Seven tough questions here to stay pure in a dirty world. This world is dirty. I don't, we don't take our kids down to K Road or King Street because all the adverts there have half naked ladies being objectified, placed on these things. And I'm going to let my kids have their eye gate open to that stuff because that stuff gets into their hearts. Remember, as a nine-year-old, and I told the boys uh, when we have our our raw men's, as a nine-year-old, first time I ever saw pornography. First time. I was invited to a friend's house. I thought we were going to watch like Barney or something like that. It definitely wasn't Barney. But it was horrible. What it's done to my mind is, is it tainted me. And then whatever happened after that is that I viewed Woman, and I viewed people different. But by the grace of God, I sat down with this amazing man, and he said to me, let's pray through this, but you need to do something about this. So we can be real about this, because people are struggling with this stuff. Guess what? Ladies are worse, based on stats, than men. Have you in pornography? Hello? But don't, you've got to understand this. That stuff can be redo, uh, redeemed and renewed in Christ. I sat with a young man and I st- told the story to the men. So, men, sorry for hearing this again. A man that was just getting married. And he told me that he was getting married to this blue-eyed, uh, his, his view of his wife was going to be blue-eyed, blonde, blonde girl. But the wife, uh, his fiance was brown-haired, brown eyes. So what ha- happened is actually we spoke about this and I found out that pornography was a root in his life. So we had to uproot that. And I said, where did that come from? All the stuff you watched back then. So what happens is that you build, you're tainted by that stuff. So everyone else you're going to view, if it's not in line with what you saw, it is not right. People are getting married to the wrong people because they're tainted by that stuff. That's why we need to come into a place where purity in Christ is important and we need to renew our minds. 
think some of you are really shocked at the moment. <laughs> I see your faces. Yes, I did say porn in church. Um, but the thing is that if we're not real about this, the world's going to taint you. The world will taint your kids if you don't speak about this at dining room table. By guarding their hearts, guarding their eyes and what they see. And it's important. It's so important. Because I've seen so many friends. I've, I've had two, two friends, really, or three friends, who walked away from their marriages based on this because they didn't deal with this in their life. We need to deal with it. Not just porn, but every other thing that gets into our hearts and our minds that taint us. Is it pure? Is it lovely? Whatever's lovely, the word is used here in the New Testament. It literally means love towards. It has the idea of attracting uh, loveliness as a magnet attracts iron fillings. One person translates it, those things that grace attracts. Do your thoughts automatically attract themselves to which is beautiful and which is lovely? A thought may be true and even right, but still not lovely. Here's a simple rule. If it's not lovely, if it doesn't make you lovely, don't say it. Don't think it. Don't do it. Don't dwell on it. And don't repeat it. Uh, in mental health, there's a, uh, a mental health, there's a, there's a syndrome called imposter syndrome. Who's heard of that? Who remembers those little cartoons of uh, the, the devil on right, one side and the angel on the other side? Who remembers that? That was based out of the syndrome called imposter, imp imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a syndrome that tells you that you're not good enough. The guy's not even a Christian, but we know that a lot of those values and what the devil says about us is not true. It's all lies. And so this man came to this idea of that's what happens to us in our mental state. That sometimes we don't feel, oh, I'm not good enough. If your husband and your, or your wife hasn't been speaking to you, oh, maybe they don't love me. Oh, maybe they don't, oh. Am I good? And you're having this ongoing battle in yourself. Just, just a note. The devil doesn't look like this guy with <laughs> horns. Okay. The Bible talks about the angel of light. Okay. So he comes, there's an archangel thrown down from heaven. So he doesn't look like that with the horns. Doesn't get it right. Doesn't look like that. Okay. That, that's what the world has uh, created. Okay. Just to give you, that's, that's a bonus as well. But the thing is that it's important to understand Whatever you're going to say to someone, is it lovely? Is it going to uplift them? Because if it's not, don't say it. The stuff you look into the mirror and say about yourself, is it lovely? Is it worth saying? I had a big struggle this week in my mind, in my thinking. The enemy knows your weaknesses, eh? And he reminded me again, are you sure God called you to this? Just with one simple Question. It's the same question he applied to Eve. Are you sure God said that? And the same thing that goes in your mind when you go home and you look at your mirror and you go, am I really beautiful? Do people really love me? Am I really good enough? And doubt sinks in. And then despair sinks in. And then the devil will use that against you. So be in a place where if you're saying stuff about people, make sure it's uplifting. Okay, that's all part of renewing your mind. Make sure it's encouraging. Because sometimes when you open your mouth and this whole ocean of stuff comes out of it, it sometimes doesn't sound good. So you need to understand 
when it comes out of your mouth, make sure it is lovely. Make sure it is beautiful. And if it's about yourself, you need to do some self-care with some self-talk and look in the mirror and say, you are good enough. You're a child of God. You're born uh, for a purpose. You are here for a reason. There is no one like you. You're unique in Christ. No one else can do what you're called to do. Be proud of who you are in Christ. Is it admirable, uh, admirable? Uh, this is a worthy, uh, worthy of studying. Um, sorry, uh, it was cheap or dirty. The question asks us to focus on the things that are positive, not negative, constructive, not destructive. We go down to the red part. Edit your words in your mind before you send them out of your mouth. Who knows? I'm sure all of us know someone that's sharp with the mouth but doesn't think about what they say. Hands up. And if the person's sitting beside you, it's okay. But the thing is that we need to edit what we say before it comes out of our mouth. Um, and there's another illustration in there about um, the present, present the nice things. Don't talk about the sore stuff. It talks about do when you, someone comes to visit your house, do you tell them, oh, come, we'll go meet in the toilet. There's enough room for three of us. No, you don't say that. No, you always tell, take them to the lounge. Would you like a cup of tea? Okay, because you always make the most thing, um, the most important space of meeting um, more um, presentable. So make sure that what you're saying is presentable, is honorable, is admirable. If anything is excellent and praiseworthy, excellent refers to virtue and moral, uh, morality. Oh, sorry, I spelled that wrong. And praiseworthy means those things that a God himself would approve. So here are the two final questions. Is it morally excellent? Is it something that God would approve? Taken together, these eight questions point out the way towards positive thinking. Paul says, think on these things. It's a command. So it's an ongoing command in your life. You need to understand this is every day. Who knows that after hearing this, you're not going to be perfect in the way you think. Some of you are going, yeah, I think so. But the thing is that it would be great when you get to a place where you're actually taking this in and applying it. It might take a few months. might take a few days for some of us. But if we can apply this daily, it will help us. Keep on uh, focusing on your thoughts, the eight areas. Find the truth and think about it. Find what's noble and think about it. Find the lovely and think about it. Find the virtuous and think about it. Do it. And verse 9 tells us, and God or peace will be with you. If you want peace in your thinking, you've got to actually wall yourself and make a choice to start thinking a different way. Because God's waiting for you to change the way you think. Because what will happen is this. Can I have just um, three of three men, just make it easier. Three men, just quickly up here. Again, 
So this is important because when the Holy Spirit, all this stuff, who's, who's going to take this stuff and actually apply it in their lives? Is it useful? Just try your best. You know, we're not perfect. But we can actually be on this road of sanctification of actually, and that process of actually applying some of this stuff. Remember, it's easy. The thing is that um, doing it is not going to be easy. But as long as you actually start that process and that journey of actually changing the way you think about people, and a big thing is about people, but also another big thing is about how you think about yourself, which is massive. So when we go back to the start, we're talking about Vernon. He didn't know Christ. Do you have a T-shirt under there? Just in case you got just, just in case there's a family. <laughs> Can you take your jacket off, bro? You've got to put it back on anyway. Just steal a bit of illustration. So Vernon, he was doing his own thing. It was about me, myself, and I. Then Christ came into his life. You can put that on again. He had to put on this new man, this new person. Regenerated by the Holy Spirit. He became colorful and victorious. <laughs> but the thing is that he's changed, but his mind and his body hasn't changed. So everyone can see this part of Vernon. So Vernon's spirit is now made alive. He's excited. Your spirit's here. But this hasn't changed. So what he needs to do is renew his mind. Remember, your soul is made out of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Because all of them work together. So you just got to re his spirit man needs to actually get this thinking changing. His thinking thinking changed. So he thought a different way, a pattern of the world. But now he's got to change the way he's looking at life. Because it's not about me, myself, and I anymore. It's about Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He needs to kind of apply a lot of those things so he can change. His, oh, you can put on. <laughs> He's become victorious in his soul and his thinking. Obviously, you're a different kind of soul. Go, go. Put it on and you feel different. Put it on. Your life will change forever, brother. See? Just like you guys, your soul doesn't want to submit. <laughs> Come on, put it on, victorious. There he is! Come on, give him a round of applause! Woohoo! So he's victorious. He's realized something that he's now victorious in Christ. His mind, will, and his emotions, the way he feels about things, the way he thinks about things, the way he acts on things is now different. And guess what? All these things are internal things. What's going to happen now is that when it, when, I'll just call you Barry, you know, Barry, because Barry, <laughs> Barry is now a different creation. But you, Barry, he still looks the same, eh? But actually how Barry, Barry, that's a cool name. We'll name our next child, Barry. <laughs> we'll think about it, we'll pray about it. I'll leave it to you, baby, sorry. That was my flesh stepping out again. But what will happen is that if a spirit's made alive in Christ, he's now changed the way he's thinking and the way he's looking at life, the way his will has changed, and also his emotions are coming to grips, coming to grips with emotions. This man, Barry, becomes a different person. 
And then everyone else looks around and goes, there's something different about you. But Barry hasn't changed unless he's gained like 50 kgs or lost or now, oh, I don't know. But the thing is that he's still the same. But everyone will say that he's different because of these, he's applied these two things in his life. So the thing is that your spirit's been made alive. Now you've got to work on this, this soul. The mind, will, and emotions. That's what we're focused on right now. Because we can do all the great things outside, you know, doing all the stuff, going and preach the word, and going to uh, be a great dad, be a great mom, be a great son. All that stuff is active in our lives. But if this, if this soul, which is made of mind, will, and emotions, doesn't submit to that spirit, it will just carry on doing the same thing. That's why they need to, you need to find victory. Let's find victory, bro. <laughs> Let's hold on to that. But the thing is that once you find, um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's quiet, all those um, Queenslanders. But the thing is that once you find victory in this area of your life, this area of your life, what people see, they will start to comment, you're changed. You're different. Why? Because all you're doing is actually thanks, soul person. All you're doing is allowing this person the spirit person in you, because we are spirit. Remember, we are, we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. That's what it is. So this spirit being who's connected with the Holy Spirit, God, is now alive, so excited. I'm going to change the world. <laughs> but then they wake up in the morning, and then the soul's going, I don't want to do anything. I just want to go back to sleep. So this spirit, you've got to actually say, I'm submitted to what the Holy Spirit is doing through my spirit, so I'm made alive. And then when I come in the morning, for example, praise. Oh, excited. I read through the scriptures. <laughs> oh, I worked late last night. I just don't feel like doing anything. But then you got to, the spirit lifted. And then what people see is someone, hope they didn't see that, bro. <laughs> is someone that's victorious in Christ, that's actually won over their soul which is a big area of our lives. Thanks, guys. Henry, just hold on to that. You just need to hold on to it for a little longer. Let's stand, let's stand to our feet. Thanks, team. John, do you want to? hope this has been helpful. But some of you didn't want to stand up because your soul was going, oh, my gosh, we just stood up, man. We just stood up half an hour ago. Give me a break. See, your soul will always fight with your spirit. And this morning, your spirit was probably going, can we just lift our hands? Please. And your soul's going to go, mm, don't feel like it. Don't feel like it this morning. See, it's not about your feelings. Because your feelings can rob you. Because you can say that you're in love with someone, but then that means you can fall out of love with someone. No, you just love them. But the thing is that you can't rely on your feelings. That's why God made it so important for us on this road of sanctification to work on our thinking. So once we start to believe it, if you, what you think in your mind, you start to apply in your life. And if you start to believe that you are son of the living God, after being regenerated in your spirit, coming to know Christ, you can start living out your life for him. But I'm going to pray a simple prayer this morning, just for um, who struggles in that area of thoughts, like um, 
I'm putting my hand up because I get a lot of doubts sometimes. It's amazing, eh? Because you can have the microphone, but still the enemy wants to rob you of who you really are. And that's why you got to make sure that you understand you're secure in him. Nothing can move you from him. Your identity in him. Your authority in him. Your destiny in him. So this morning, we're going to pray a simple prayer. God, help us help ourselves to be more like Christ. Lord, as we sit in this place, through your word, Lord God, I just want to thank you, Lord God, that you've given us the opportunity to be renewed in our thinking. And God, whatever the the world wants to put on us, the patterns and the lifestyles of this world, I pray we'll be able to discern and know the difference. And Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, as we go home, that we start to live our lives in an honoring way. That anything that we need to deal with, Lord God, even the way we look at ourselves, the way we view ourselves, the way we talk to ourselves, and our own self-talk, I pray that that will change in Jesus' name. And there's some of you that think, don't think highly of yourself this morning. And I want to say that you are a child of the living God. Be secure in that. You are secure in his arms. Lord God, I thank you. I want to thank you for your gracious nature, Lord God. The Papa, that Father, you just come to us and you always help us move forward. And this morning on this road of sanctification, Lord God, I pray that our minds will be renewed and changed. Lord, I thank you. Even this week, Lord, whatever tests and trials that may come, I thank you that we are we have the authority and identity in you to break a lot of those things, Lord. We thank you. We honor you this morning. Just as every head is bowed, I just want to ask, if you're sitting here this morning and you don't know what this is all about, you're probably going, 